Hey friends, welcome to the Threadcast. This is Ryan Smith, pastor at Common Thread Church. Uh, most of you guys know this, you are our Threadheads. <laughs> I brought that back, didn't I? That's uh, I don't know if that's going to stick or what, uh, what that looks like. But uh, if you're listening to this uh, from the outside, uh, have found this, welcome, welcome. Um, this Threadcast is kind of uh, our way to, to study deeper, to dive deeper into what we're we're wrestling with on a week in week out basis, and uh, really, it's not just a Bible study, but it's more of trying to look at Scripture, but then to really wrestle with what does it look like for us to live that out. And so, we're walking through the Book of Romans, um, the title "Replacing Power and Privilege with Peace," and just this idea of what does it look like to to face the biggest military army, to be a part of the biggest governmental system ever. And to take it on, um, but not to do it in a way that um, has always been done. And that's what the book of Romans is about. is teaching that, that Jesus uh, wanted you to confront those in power and privilege, um, but to do it with peace. And what the heck does that look like? How do you live that out? And so um, we're reading the book of Romans to figure that out, and we're doing it backwards. We've been, we've been in chapters 12 through 16 for a while because that kind of sets the tone for the, for the theology that you have in the beginning of Romans, um, the, the really the why. And one of the things that the writer of Romans, who's Paul, um, proclaims is that if you want to be a, a follower of Christ, then you need to clothe yourself with Christ. Really this idea of that you need to be transformed to become like Christ. And we've talked that that's not that you become perfect, um, but that you are something that is different, that is growing, that is maturing. Um, and it's not because you're lacking um, in the sense that you aren't enough, but it's that God has something more in store for you, that there's something greater, that he wants you to do something greater than this world um, has seen, and um, it needs you to be better. It needs you to be different. Um, for what he's calling you to do, you can't do it as you are, but as he's making you. And so... Um, to be transformed like Christ, Paul has, in, in chapters 12 through 16, he has three markers. Really, in the beginning of chapter 12 and 13, he lay these markers out as to what it looks like to be transformed by Christ. And the first one is that you are God-oriented, that you are focused on the divine, you're focused on Yahweh, that you uh, give your life to something greater than you are. For some of us, we're wrestling, well, what does that look like? What does that mean? And you're not ready to put the name God on that. I'm okay with that. I hear that. But there is this call that you're to be that you are to dedicate yourself to something greater than just yourself. That this isn't an egotistical world that the, the world doesn't revolve around you, but that you see that there's something greater out there driving um, this world, um, this place, driving you. That you're willing to to submit to. That you're willing to have a relationship to. More importantly, that you're ready to interact with and, and eventually allow to guide your actions. The second marker is that you are what we call body of Christ oriented. Um, and that's church language, but it's really that you are that you are focused in on a community of people who have dedicated themselves to that divine. Um, we don't like some of us don't like the word church because we've been burned by church. We've been burned by um, that concept of organized religion, if you will. But there doesn't mean that that concept is is false. 
Um, it just may have been lived out falsely. And so, so there is this, that to be um, transformed by Christ, you, you, you give yourself to the divine, but then you also give yourself to a community of people who are seeking to live the same way as you. Um, and it's still diverse. Remember, we're not, we're not talking about building robots there, but there is this idea that, that we share life with people who are like us in that, okay? And um, just so that you, you know, if that offsets you a little bit, it sounds kind of a little um, maybe a clubbish or cultish. Um, you hear the third marker. The third marker in what it means to be transformed in Christ is that you are public oriented. That you uh, that you know you have your relationship with the divine. You have a relationship with the the community of believers. But then there's also this marker that you have a relationship with the public. That you have a relationship with those who are not in that 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 body of Christ um, group of yours, that you're called to have an equal, um, a third relationship of your life with them as well. Um, and so for us at Common Thread, the language we're using, that we've been using for this is the up in and out. Um, this idea that um, you are to be, you know, if you're perfect, then your three points of your triangle of your up in and out are equal distance from each other. No one's perfect. We get that. But this is kind of the language we use um, how is your relationship with the up? How's your relationship in the end? How's your relationship with the out? All three are meant to be focused on, even though we might be better at some, uh, one of them than the other, or two of them rather than, the, than one of them. There is this idea that the, they were meant to focus on those three. And so now we get into this section about, um, about what it means to, to be public centered, to be public oriented, to have a relationship with the out. Um, What's kind of interesting, um, to get this, you need to understand that the Bible was written a long time ago. It was written in a different form than the way we write books now. Um, and I know if you pull up, pick up a Bible right now, you see books. You see a book. You see chapters. You see verses. But when the Bible was originally written, um, it didn't have chapter and verses. That it actually, it was just um, a complete sentences one after the other. And we've come in and put in these chapters and verses, and we've done a, a pretty good job. But sometimes seeing chapters and verses, um, they uh, they hinder kind of seeing the, the flow of what the writer meant. And, and this is one of those times. So really, as we look at the out, um, instead of going chapter by chapter, I want you to kind of think about um, a section from like chapter 12, verse 14 through 13, um, verse 10. That there's a section that focuses on the out. And I'm not going to read it all to you today. And so I'm going to encourage you to, to if you want to stop the podcast now and, and, and read it real quick in Bible Gateway or somewhere else, or read it afterwards. Um, but there is this section, and, and, and it talks about the out. Um, but it's also kind of broken down into three segments. Um, so the best way I can explain it, I I love chess. I love playing the game of chess. Um I I, lo- I read I've read books about it. Uh, I, I'll go into I'll go in and out of my uh, involvement with it. Uh, I, I play online. Uh, actually, there was one point where I played some tournaments, uh, and so I got ranked internationally. But that means nothing. If you play in a tournament, you know, two or three tournaments, you get ranked, and so that's nothing. I, it's just, but it is my bragging point, right? That I'm ranked internationally in chess at one point in my life. <laughs> um, but. The beauty of chess, um, to, to really grasp you know, the, the, the game of chess, they break it into three sections. There's the beginning, the middle, and the end. 
And um, there's not a point in the game where you say, okay, we're switching to the middle, we're switching to the end. But it's this idea, if you can understand that we're in the beginning part of the game, we're in the middle part of the game, and then we're in the end part of the game, you play those three things differently. But each one of them leads into the other. That if you don't have a good beginning, then your middle is going to be weak, and then your end is going to be, you know, they play together. Well, this this section, 12... Chapter 12, verse 14, verse 13 through 10 of the out is, is done in the same way. And so I want to propose to you um, that the beginning part um, is uh, verses 12, 14 through 21. It talks about bless, empathize, and pursue peace as kind of the beginning point of what it means to have a relationship with the public. The middle part talks about being subject to the governing authorities. And then the end part is to love your neighbor, and so these three, three, three um, sections all encompass what it means to have a relationship with the out, to to have a relationship um, with uh, with the public, if you will. Now um, you understand. So we're, we're picking up in twelve fourteen. So in twelve one through two, you got the emphasis on the idea of having a relationship with the divine, with the up, and then in three through. Uh, 13, you get this kind of emphasis on a relationship with, um, it's actually three through eight, I think, three through eight, you get an uh, emphasis with the relationship with the, the in, with the people who ha- are like-minded. But right at the end, um, in verse, I think I have this up here, um, no, um, right at the end, you um, uh, before this 12, 14, you get a segment on love, and it's talking about loving those in the community. But that kind of acts as a bookend um, because it, it, this this whole relationship, this this whole idea of replacing power and privilege with peace, is centered on love. And so that's kind of the beginning and the end with all of this. And so I want to kind of walk through, uh, pick up in fourteen, and look at these this first the beginning section. It says, "Bless those who persecute you." Bless and do not curse. And so he's made the transition into the out. It's no longer it's no longer um, uh, the in crowd, but those to recognize that you are to be a blessing to people. And then there's this idea of empathize. And in 15, it says rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. So it's this idea that you feel what others are feeling, that you rejoice when good things happen with them, and then you are sad when, when sad things happen to them, right? This idea that, and we're, remember, we're talking about the public, and we're going to dive deeper into what that means, but, but it's not just the people we like. And so sometimes we get excited. Um, we rejoice when people, People we don't like mourn, right? We don't like to say that out loud, but that's true, right? But this is calling us to something that we're to empathize when they're excited and we're to empathize when they're when they're sad. And then it says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And so it's this per, this idea to pursue peace. This one another here is a reference to the out, to the public. It's not, uh, you know, because um, in the, when we're talking about our in and, and the people like us, we have to struggle to have, be at peace with them as well. It, it, they, it, Romans acknowledges that that's uh, not easy. But the same is true with the out. And we have the same mission to, to, to pursue peace. And so that first um, beginning section is an emphasis on blessing, empathizing, and then also pursuing peace. That, that begins our journey and what it looks like to have a relationship with the out. And so we begin to have those things. But then you think, okay, so how do I, how do I live this out? 
Um, how do I, um, what do I do with this, right? Um, and so uh, we get into the middle section, and it's 13, 1 through 7. And I, I'm not going to read all of it, but I do want to read um, this one part. And Because and, here, this 13, 1 through 7 is a segment on on what it means to to have a relationship with the government, with the, the people in power and, and, uh, and those of privilege. And it's really the, the economics of life, right? The idea, the politics of life. And, and some of us say we're not political, but this the idea is that we're all political. It's decide how do we live together? And um, this whole section is, is talking about what do I do um, with with the government in hand? Do I and you know the Jewish nation had zealots, right? The, these people who were who were uh, actually physically, uh, militaristically. At, at war with the government, that they weren't afraid to to kill and to stab and to do all these incredible things um, for their cause, and so this this new army that God is building, that Jesus is building, this new kingdom, you know, they're asking, how do we live? How do we engage with this Roman Empire? Do we do we build a force? Do we build an army? Do we do uh, guerrilla warfare? And um, you know, some of them were ready to do that. Um, but he begins this section with this statement here. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This one verse has sent the Christian world into a whirlwind of hypocrisy, of not understanding uh, uh, what do we do we wrestle with this one verse and what we're really good at is taking that let everyone be subject to the governing authorities and we're really good at, at um, kind of picking and choosing when we apply it right you know um, it's one of those things that when we see things like Hitler when we see things like the Iranian government or when we see things where where horrific things are happening, or and they're happening, or when um, a Muslim government is killing Christian people, that we understand that we're called to stand and fight against them, right? Um, or when the American people uh, revolt against the British, and we, we we get our own nation, that that we get that. But then when um, you know when there's a power in place that we that we are for. Um, you know, and people are against it, then we'll kind of bring this out. No, no, we just need to be subject to them, um, that kind of thing. And you need to hear this. Um, this, when Paul writes this, the people that are hearing this, they completely understand what Paul is calling to love when the odds are stacked against you. They understand this. Um, this this is what this is saying because you see, they were a part of a government. The Roman Empire was that they that if you stay in line, you will be good. If you get out of line, you will be literally crushed, killed, uh, tortured. That you will be put in front of others as an example, and that we have peace because we have power. And if you go against that power. We will do the dirtiest, ugliest, nasty. We will invent new ways to torture and kill you. This is who Paul is saying, hey, you need to be subject 
to them. Now, this phrase, subject to the governing authorities, man, uh, who speaks it and who hears it is so important. If you remember um, the Roman, so he's writing this to the Roman churches, house churches. It's probably five-ish of them, around five. Um, And remember that they're probably um, maybe not equally divided, but in these Roman churches, there's there's they're Christians now. They've given their life to Christ, but they either come from a Jewish background or a Gentile background. And so if a Gentile hears, be subject to the governing authorities, you know, they're kind of like ho-hum. It's really not that big a deal because they've grown up in this empire. They've grown up living this way. For them, this nothing really changes. If it's a Jewish person that hears, be subject to the governing authorities, this grates against them. This grates against who they are because their whole history, their whole genealogy, their way of living has been changed by this empire. You know, when a white Republican says, be subject to the governing authorities, an African, an Asian, a Latin American hears oppression. And so we need to recognize that one person's subjection is another person's oppression. So when there is a Republican president and you hear the words be subject to the governing authorities, a Democratic a Democrat hears something else. Or when there's a Democrat president, right, and a Republican hears this, it, 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 you know, we, you, I, I think you get where we're going with this. But you need to hear that in all of this, when, when Paul calls us to a relationship with, uh, with the, the public, with those in the out, and specifically with those in authority, Paul's words are to be subject to them. Now, we've talked about this before, and I don't have time to dive into it today. This doesn't mean that you become the whipping boy, right? That the, doesn't mean that you don't stand for something. But there is this idea that I am going to get my message across, that I am going to, to, to rage against the machine, if you will, but I'm not going to do it in the way that power and privilege has been replaced, but I'm going to do it differently, right? And so the middle game of what it means to have a relationship with the out is that you do not become zealous and, and do this um, barbaric thing of insurrection. Um, that's hard. Hard to hear. It was hard to hear then. It's hard to hear now, especially when we are the ones that are being um, tortured. And so we move into the end game of what it means to have a relationship with the out. And he says this, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. This one another is 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 in reference to the to the public, right? It's re- reference to the out. We're not talking about just those that are like us. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments: you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command: love your neighbor, love your public, love your out as yourself. Love does no harm. To a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Um, 
And so really Paul is saying that when you come against those in power and privilege, that we're not going to fight them. We're going to love our enemies into our neighbors. Um, that the way of the Romans could be turned on its head by striking back with love, civility, and benevolence. Even as I speak these words, there's a part of me that says, this just, this isn't real. This doesn't, doesn't work, right? But this is the call that when, when power and privilege comes in contact with love, that something can miraculously happen. That something beautiful can happen. That we are to love our enemies, to love the public as we love ourselves, as we love each other. And so, um, for Paul, the idea of power and privilege, that, that you that you completely go against it, but you don't act, act you don't act uh, uh, accordingly, um, that you don't keep the cycle going. That you don't replace power and privilege with more power and privilege. Instead, the way that you are transformed, the way you love um, the outward, is that you love God by offering your entire body daily to God. That you participate in the up, in, and out equally. And that when this exists in society, this is what changes. This is what the kingdom is going to eternally look like. And so... We talk about the out uh, a lot of times, in, not in this insurrectionist kind of way of talking about loving, you know, the, the the Roman Empire. You know, we don't we don't understand it that way right now. We talk it now talk now more about what it means to serve. Right? We've talked about the idea of giving your body um, this living sacrifice daily about how to serve other people. Um, but this really gets to the core of why. Why do we do this? We do it because this is what changes. The system. This is what changes the um, the injustice that is out there. That we fight it, and we and we we do it, but we do it with this concept of of love, of relationship with the outward. That there are people out there who don't like us. There are people out there who aren't like us. There's people out there that we don't even know, but whoever they are, we are called to love them, to serve them, to bless them, to empathize with them, to seek peace with them, not to be at war. And so we do that, we show that, because they're not going to want to be a part of us, right? That's that's the total definition of what it means to be on the out, is I don't want to be in with you. And so instead of berating them, instead of beating them over the head with the Bible, instead of telling them all the ways that they are wrong, Paul says, You are to love them. You are to serve them. You are to subject yourself to them. You are to love them into your neighbor. You are to treat them as family. And so that's why we serve. That's why we at Common Thread have served Sunday. That's why we dedicate one full day of worship, quote unquote, to the act of actually serving People, because that is our marker of what it means to be a follower of Christ. 
And so, uh, as we talked about this past um, Sunday, we're going to do that as a community, as, as Common Thread. We're dedicating the fourth Sunday of the month to service, that we want to have an actual way to practice what it means. You'll be doing that through your table groups, and then every so often we're going to come together as, as a bigger group um, and, and try to find a bigger way to serve. But the challenge for you is, is to engage in that, to join us in that, to join when we do those things, but more importantly, that you engage in this concept of having a relationship with the public or the out day in, day out. And so that's the question for you today. That's the application that you wrestle with. How are you going to have a relationship with those outside your circle? How are you going to serve people you don't want to serve or people you don't know? How are you going to serve those who just tick you off? (laughs) What is it you're being called to do today, this week? We're not talking six months from now. We're not talking three months from now. You know, I'll be able to serve when I learn how to do this, this, and this. No, that that's that's okay. But but right now, today, I know because I know I know God is putting something, putting that face right. There's that face that He's that keeps popping up your head as I talk about this. That is who you're supposed to serve. What are you going to do for that person today or tomorrow and get it done? And we're going to have some conversation in in our Faith Life app um, to to dive deeper into this. And I hope that you uh, join us. If you're listening to this and you don't even know what we're talking about with this Faith Life app, uh, message me or uh, find us on Facebook. um, And we'll tell you a little bit more about it. It's free. Um, It's a... you don't have to be a techie to learn it, but it's just a way that we stay connected as a group of people from all over the world. But also it's a place where we have conversation about some of this stuff and wrestle with it, push back from it. And you are welcome to do that. Um, if you feel like I've said something that you don't see in Scripture, I'd love to hear that as well because it's something we, we learn together. Um, so there you have it. To be someone who's transformed like Christ, to someone who's becoming more like Christ, you have three areas of your life. You're up, you're in, and you're out. And I hope all three are ones that you are thinking about and striving to be better at. Hope you have a great day. Grace and peace.